the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat as we will try to break down what mostly lived up to being a monumental day. I mean, we had thrilling games that came down to the very last second of regulation or were decided in overtime. We had results that created incredible conversation, wide-ranging to all aspects of the sports universe. We'll get into many of that and more. A wonder that was saved by miraculous conditions. <laughs> Incredible comebacks up and down. Um, uh, near upsets, everything else. But we have to start with the many, many different layers of Ohio State 17, Notre Dame 14. It comes down to the very final, not the very final play of regulation. They end up putting one more second on the clock. But Ohio State comes out and they score a touchdown after marching down the field, converting on the fourth down and long. And I, I want to start here because this is we're going to do the tomorrow's top 25 today, projecting the new rankings coming up in a little bit. But do you think that this is the individual best win of the 2023 season? Ohio State going into Notre Dame Stadium and getting this victory. Is this better than Texas going into Bryant-Denny and beating Alabama? Is this the best win that we've got so far? No. Okay. What's the it, best it, win? It's not. No, Notre Dame still can't throw the ball outside the numbers. Like I, I, I think Texas is going in. No, no, seriously. I, look, look, 
Look what Ooh. Bama's defense did today. Guys, I'm serious. Like I, I, I have this win like third, I think. Florida State also blew out LSU to open the season. Like just because it's the most recent doesn't mean it's the best. Sorry, yeah, but LSU barely beat Arkansas. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think that beating LSU on a neutral field is the same as going into Notre Dame Stadium and storming back at the very end and getting that win. Like I think that Ohio State answered a ton of questions. Uh, why are we convinced Notre Dame's that great? Do we watch NC State on Friday night? Why are we convinced Ohio State's that great? They barely beat Notre Dame, and according to you, Notre Dame sucks. Yeah, I don't think Notre Dame sucks. I think they're a good football team, but I don't think they're like special. I don't think they're like a playoff team. Well, they just nearly beat Ohio State. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. No, I, I don't think this is the best win of the season either. I, I still think Texas's win over Alabama is okay. the best win on paper. But yeah, I don't know, man. Just it's a big win. It is. I mean, here's the thing. If Ohio State had lost, I mean, we already talked about over the offseason, and, you know, it's picking up steam. You know, they have to beat Michigan, Ryan Day, hot seat, blah, blah, blah. Had they lost this game, that would have just turned it up another notch with Michigan being undefeated, Penn State being undefeated. There would have been a lot more pressure on Ryan Day. And considering the way Ryan Day really seemed to take what Lou Holtz said so personally. Oh, that was fantastic. I I wonder if he's kind of feeling it a little bit. Do we have that? Teed up? What 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 Day said and, and, and what Lou said? Yeah. Oh, I don't have what Lou said teed up. No, the the, the Ryan Day is like, I wonder what the, Lou Holtz is, is thinking now. I'm really red in the face, and I'm talking really fast because I'm really hyped up. I haven't been this hyped up about a football game since the Peach Bowl against Georgia. Yeah, no, I'll tell you what, man. Between Ryan Day and Dabo Sweeney, we saw some people coaching their ass off today. <laughs> Feeling that heat. Um, no, so I I thought that the um I thought that the way things unfolded for Kyle McCord throughout that second half was like an incredible learning experience for a young quarterback who's in a very, very difficult position. I thought that Ryan Day, who has you know, got this like he's got the joystick reputation. Is that fair? Like everyone believes yeah. it's like, oh, you step into Ryan Day's system, yeah. he's gonna like throw out all a bunch of five star wide receivers, and you just need to go joystick it. He did a smart move of of being able to try and you know put his guy in the position. And then I, I love the final play call. Have you seen the screenshots? And again, we are coming to you live, like eleven thirty PM Eastern time, as we always do. Did Notre Dame really only have ten men on the field for the final play? I haven't seen it or counted it myself, but that is the scuttlebutt. And I know that Marcus Freeman was asked about it at the end. And given that Marcus Freeman explained the reason they didn't run somebody out there was because they were afraid they were going to pick up a penalty, which, okay. Like half a yard. Kind of suggests that, yeah, I mean, yeah we, we were afraid to get the half the distance to the goal penalty from the one. But I, it's granted, you know, touchdown on the line i guess that half yard does kind of count in some way but it's just i, I feel like an 11th player would have counted more but yeah i don't know it was there were some weird decisions at the end of the game by both coaches like like what if, well if freeman didn't send the guy out there leaving a man short on a fourth or you know a fourth in game play from the one pretty much and then i have no idea why ohio state kicked the point after you're up two. if notre dame blocks that kick and yeah. returns it it's a safety just get under center, snap, and kneel. You don't need that point. You were only putting the game at risk by even attempting the kick. Yeah, uh, Tom's totally right on that. Uh, the the end around also was I, 
I don't know if it's a terrible call because I, I think they did anticipate them, you know, bunching up to try to try to stop the run in between the tackles. But Notre Dame played that beautifully. Like Notre Dame's defense played its ass off tonight, man, and the offense just let them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's, that's the, the, like, the like Morrison is a good. Benjamin Morrison's a, a very very good player, and he had to go up against Marvin Harrison, like hobbled ankle or whatever. He did a tremendous job in that spot. I was. Uh, are you talking about the Emeka Buka fourth down try? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to push back against their offense sucked. They averaged yeah. five and a half yards per play. Ohio State averaged 5.6. The problem with Notre Dame was they're like, we're going to be super aggressive and we're going to go for it on every fourth down. And then they're just handing off up the middle on fourth. You know, it's just, it's, I don't know. They didn't get the yards when they needed it. I don't think the offense sucked overall. I thought they played pretty well for the most part they just didn't finish drives but neither did ohio state that was just the game the defense is just bowed up in the red zone every single time it kicked everybody out of the end zone so i don't know man i I understand the receivers didn't have great games but i don't think that means the offense sucked i i wasn't impressed i mean you you scored 14 points you you held ohio state with marvin harrison and Egbuka to 17 you get marvin harrison hurt right now obviously he played a little more but but he was not quite the same after the injury and you can't score 17 or 20 points. Like that's pretty pathetic. Honestly, like, like it now credit to Ohio state's defense. We talked all week. We thought they were better. We thought they were improved. I thought Notre Dame's defense played a hell of a game. And I did think the offense sucked 14 points at home against Ohio state's defense. That's well, not then, good enough. Then the Ohio that's State not, offense sucked. You, you could have done that with the guy last year. But why, then why, why aren't you like, saying Ohio state's offense sucked? I, I didn't think they were very good either. I, I thought both defenses played really well, but like, I mean, 14 points at home is pretty crappy. Agreed. It's, but it's still a lot better than Iowa. Yeah. I, I don't know. There were a lot of, there were a lot of grindy games today, man. Like that's it. That, that's bad off- of football. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. hard. It was, it was hard to get out there and score some points. That's last year was 21 to 10. This year was 17 to 14. Like it's, it was a suit. Every single snap of this game was incredibly competitive. And I thought played at a high level. Yeah. Like I, I was, we've got coaching decisions to nitpick. There were plays that were incredibly pivotal, but I walked out of the game uh, from downstairs to upstairs to record this. But like, I walked out of away from it, just saying like, you know what? Both those teams probably are going to be in the playoff mix in November. I think Notre Dame's done in the playoff mix. They don't. They're not going to have an opportunity to win a, win a conference title. But you're like you're trying to game theory this like way down the line. I'm saying, do you think that they have the quality to be a top eight, top nine team the rest yes. of the season? Yes. Yeah, but just, I don't think they have the path to have, have a top four resume without the conference title availability. Okay. So that's, that's yeah, top ten quality team, absolutely. With that defense, with that run game, yeah. One play of more than twenty five yards on the night. It's not really going to get it done, guys. Like the very best teams in the sport can hit explosive plays and grind it out. Just man, it, they were so close. Like they failed to put them both together. You know, I just I'm pissed off because there were 15 possessions in this game. If you don't count the two at the end of the halves, 12 of them ended in opponent territory, <laughs> and these jerks only scored 31 points. Oh, I, I forgot we've got the overtaker. <laughs> Um, yeah. over here. Was this a lock fight too? Yeah, it was a bar yeah. fight. Oh, with oh yeah. Only oh. four combined tackles for loss. Like it, it wasn't like the defensive lines dominated this. They they just no. the, the quarterback play and the 
more quarterback play for Ohio State, I thought. More, more receiver play for, for, for the Irish kind of kept the defenses in this really well. And, like, the defenses covered well for the most part on both on both sides. And there weren't wide-open guys being missed for the most part. It was a good defensive ball game. I, I watched way too much football. We'll get to Ole Miss, Alabama later. I watched way too much football today with teams who did not finish drives. It was just – it was a very – good and fun day overall but man i was exposed to some crappy offense inside the 20 hey yeah let's professionalize amateurs i'll tell you what they do is they don't finish drives (laughs) um (laughs) notre dame did run the ball pretty well though yeah Mm -hmm. 39 for 176 you you take out the one sack obviously uh i think if you're if you're michigan watching this like all right it's not all fixed. We we think we could run the football against these guys. It, it's not it's not all fixed. Just I'll, totally spin this forward. That well, assumes I, Michigan's woken up by late November. Yeah, yeah I mean they I could, mean, but like they'll be super fresh because they only run like seven plays a game. And, and again, I'm I'm gonna sit here, just like dug in. Notre Dame's a really good football team. The fact that they ran the ball for 176 is probably because they've got a really good running game, and that like Audric Estime was not even individually like the one who was able to take it over. They cycled in backs and they were able to still get out there and get some hard yards in important spots. We'll see. All right. So, but I didn't hear from you a lot during like the first and second quarter. What were the vibes like? I felt like you started like popping in the group chat a little bit more, at least once we got like 17, 17, and I then, sure. you know, like things started to pick up a little bit, obviously, after that. Um, so why I'm sure do what they're going to do? Well, yeah. yeah what, why do you think we found ourselves in that position there in the first half? Like what was Clemson doing that was working? What was Florida State doing that was not working? I thought Clemson did a really good job of, of getting the ball to its tight ends and its backs. I think they did a I, honestly. I think they out schemed Florida State early on in the ball game. I mean, they they basically anticipated what the Knolls would try to do. And I mean, to be honest, that was kind of a pathetic effort by Florida State today, in, in many respects. If you think they're like a legitimate national title contender type team, which I don't, right? I, I think they're a, a team that will contend for the playoff. I don't think they're that like super team level. You know, I I was on twenty four seven, and Carl Reed told me. He thought that the, this was the best team in the country. And my eyes about fell out of my head. I was like, I, I don't see it along the lines of scrimmage. Clemson was more physical than in today for the most part, right? They had multiple chances to put the game away. They harassed Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis didn't look like he wanted to run. He's just kind of throwing – like he's, he's choosing the go ball route almost all the time, not really taking the profit underneath when Clemson would give it. I thought Clemson did a pretty nice job of giving different looks and gaming for a state into running the football and then shutting that down. Like they were trying to dare FSU to run it with, you know, full light box or, or, or like like a half light type type look to where you have the numbers to run, and yet Florida State got pushed around up front by a Clemson defensive line that was not very good. But if you're an FSU fan, you're pretty happy about this because you haven't beat Clemson in seven years, you know, yeah. and you they just kind of keep swinging. I'm sure if you're Norvell, like they were down ten plus to LSU too at one point, right? And it just never got bigger than 10. They just kept force-feeding the ball to those, those receivers on the outside. Clemson, they found a way to get some pass protection breakdowns against Clemson, which was really big. I mean, and spe- obviously, the oh, one obviously the Kale- Yeah, Kalen uh, yeah. 
Deloach. Wait, yeah, Deloach, right? Yeah, and I was like, okay. But on the prior drive, Clemson, I think, scores on that prior drive. They hit like four extremely impressive plays in a row that were just just razor-thin margins. Like, wow, okay, Klubnik got, got whacked there and there and there, and he put the ball on the money, and it was just like a, a really nice catch, just kind of almost exactly where it had to be. And it's like, that. can they keep doing that? Can they keep doing that, or can Florida State keep getting free runners on the quarterback? And ultimately, they they, they found a way to kind of scheme up Clemson's pass protection scheme to get that hit and get the defensive score. It doesn't feel this way to me. You know they had more yards per play than Clemson? Yeah, I do. By, by point one. By point one. Yeah, but it doesn't feel that way at all, right? Like, it feels like Clemson controlled the football game. They just never could put them away. Well, yeah, that was like the whole... They never led no, or they never, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they didn't even lead. Like, Clemson led or the game was tied until the game was almost over on the first possession of overtime. Um, yeah. You mentioned that, you know, they had more yards per yards per play by point one, but uh, Clemson had more total yards by more than 100. They had more first downs. Uh, Cade Klubnick, outside of getting rocked and coughing the ball up, actually had a pretty good game. Here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought he Tyler, well. Brown, you know, Tyler Brown got knocked out for a little bit, even came back and still came up with some big catches. You know, Will Shipley was able to get involved in the passing game, but there were just some devastating decisions that were made right at the end. And, and the thing that I came back to is that there were failures at the margins for the Clemson Tigers that you cannot have against a Florida State team that I do believe is still. Like college football play, like this is where, but it sounds like you and I are differing. Like you are holding a top three standard to the word of college football playoff because only four teams can be in there. But I believe being a college football playoff contender on September twenty third is more like a top eight or nine proposition, right? Sure. And so Florida State right now, as flawed as they might be, and as flawed as they were in this performance, they are of that caliber, and that's where Clemson cannot make those kind of mistakes yeah. to just say, "Oh, you know what we're gonna do." We get the ball with 7.05 left. We're only playing for a 30-yard field goal. That's all we need to do. We're just going to get the guy who is in business school online in Charleston and just showed up on campus on Tuesday because he made a 30-yarder in the first quarter. Yeah, he's got the goods to be able to go out there and bang this home, not be a little bit more aggressive in trying to move that ball forward. I mean, I I called my shot. I, I jumped in the, the workroom at seven minutes left. I said, Dabo's going to milk every second of this clock and he's going to put it on the unretired kicker to go out there and win it. Cause you're right. Like there are a lot of statistics that say the Clemson should have won this game. And if they do better on that final possession, they win this game. Then you get to the second possession of overtime in the first overtime when it's third and one and you call a run pass option and he, Cade Klubnik opts to pass the ball to the flat instead of trying to get the one yard, Dabo Sweeney caught on camera showing him the one yard. You know, you've got the coaching decisions of Clemson defensive coordinator Wes Goodwin, who decides we're only going to rush three and drop eight against Jordan Travis for the final possession of the first half. Yeah. And guess what? Jordan Travis leads him down the field in a minute 50 to score. And they didn't get the full two for one with the touchdown on the first drive of the second half, but they got a field goal. Like Clemson has a game notes section about the middle eight, and you corked it at the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. Like, margins 
is what you've got when you're going up against a team that is more well-rounded than you. And Florida State is more well-rounded than Clemson. Clemson did everything it needed to do except for very, very small decisions. And that's why they lost that game in overtime. First of all, we learned today why when it comes to kickers, you want liberal arts majors. <laughs> Not business school. You don't want business school, STEM majors, anything that's kind of logical or analytical. You just want free thinkers who can empty their mind, hurry, and just kind of like, la, 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 go out there and kick with no pressure on them. A guy who's, you know, studying, who knows numbers, thinks way too much. He was out there thinking about it too much. He knew, he knew what the numbers were if he missed the kick, if he made it. It got in his head, he missed it. Second of all, Chip, you touched on it a little bit. This was one of those games. It's like we focus on the, you know, the decision to go for the field goal late. We focus on like, you know, the coaching staff and the being conservative. The moment that changed this game was one little thing that we don't really think about in the big picture. One missed block. Phil Maffa not picking up the blitzer, doing his job as a running back who's supposed to pick up a blitz, not recognizing it and going out to run a route before he knew that led to that fumble, that led to the scoop and score completely change this game. If Maffa makes that block, Clemson probably wins. And that's how close this game was, and that's what it comes down to sometimes. So where does Clemson go? 0-2 for the first time since 2010. And for Clemson fans who listen to this program, you will remember 2010 ended in a Meineke Car Care Bowl loss to B.J. Daniels and USF. I'm just remembering some dudes over here. And Dabo <laughs> was on the hot seat, and he decided to fire his offensive coordinator, whose name was Billy Napier, remembering some dudes over here. He hired Chad Morris, won the ACC in 2011, the next year, first ACC crown for the Tigers in 20 years, kick-started the entire run. So we're at 2010 levels, which means down bad, as down bad as Clemson has been in a very, very long time. What does the rest of the season look like for the Clemson Tigers? Nine and three. Like you're in the bowl, in the cheese bowl, hoping to continue your 12 straight double digit wins like they were in 2020 when they had to beat Iowa State to get their 10th win to continue the double digit win streak. Yeah, I I think you look at this Clemson team. I think today's game proved that even though they lost, like they're good. And the, the reaction to the Duke loss was way overblown by a lot of people who were just quickly like, oh, it's done. Clemson's done. They've lost twice. They, sh- they beat themselves the first game. They got beat today by another good team. They're still going to be a top 15 team this year. They're probably, in reality, a top 10 team, although I don't think they'll be finished in the top 10 with their record. So, yeah, they're fine. They're going to win just about every game from here on out. Yeah, I, I think they're certainly a top 15 quality team, like power rating-wise. I, I won't drop them that after today, right? Uh, but they won't be ranked, you know, for a while. So... <laughs> Yeah, I but, but I don't was ranked going into tonight's game. Oh, so <laughs> look, it if, if you want to get ranked, just play play, play a schedule of nobody's to start the year and, and, mm-hmm. and just beat them and have the zero in the loss column and you're good. I, I don't know that I see nine and three though. There's I tough mean, games. Yeah, like that. Mm. Look, Cuse at Cuse, you should beat. Like Cuse is not that great. Wake Messed oh, around today. Georgia Tech. Dog. Four turnovers at home. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. Wake's just not that good. It's bad. Yeah. I know. It I mean, they had four turnovers and a chance to win that game. I, 
I think that there is so little confidence in that offense right now. Like, statistically, you had four turnovers, you still had a chance to win. Come on, you were right there. But I will say that, like, watching that Wake team and watching that Wake offense, it's not clicking right now. It, it is fits and starts, as they say. And that's not what we are used to seeing over the last three quarterbacks, going all the way back to John Wolford yeah. with that Demon Deacons offense. That's fair. I think Clemson's Miami already played NC its two State. toughest ACC games. I mean, Miami no, I think got the Tar Heels coming to town. Let's no, go. I, I stand by what I said. They've played their two toughest ACC games, Duke and Florida State. It's all cake from here. No, nah, Duke, Duke's a top four ACC team. I'll take mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I agree. Duke took care of business today. Like, all right, so no worse so. than five. Yeah. No worse than five. All right. Anything else on Florida State Clemson? I'm curious to see how how much better this FSU team gets over the next month. You got bye week, Vatek, Wake, Cuse, Duke. You you basically got a month to see if Travis can get the shoulder a little healthier, to work on some things in practice, to figure out, like, what do you want to be as a team? Because if this is their final form, like, this isn't good enough to go win a playoff game. If they can actually unlock another level that we haven't seen yet, like we saw it for like maybe 10, 15 minutes against LSU. You know, if they can figure out what they do better in practice, um, maybe like this is a really important building month for them. Because if, if they play really poorly, like Duke could beat them. The other teams won't beat them. Is the Virginia Tech game at home? Yeah. I would rest, Travis. I would too. Is the defense as bad as it looked at times? So, like, they gave up a bunch of completions, and they played a boatload of, like, man and pretty aggressive quarter stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought the adjustments were pretty poor. Right. But they did not give up a bunch of explosives, and they did get, like, a lot of hits on the quarterback, a good number of tackles for loss. Over the final nine Clemson drives, only one was more than 45 yards. So, like, Clemson started like a house of fire. FSU changed up a little bit of what they were doing. And then, I mean – Obviously, Clemson still moved it, but they didn't sustain the drives, and they did not hit the like the like the kill shot explosive down the stretch, which is kind of what they needed. Which, if they had used the transfer portal, maybe they, they don't run out these receivers. Right. I mean, like, that's what I would say was embarrassing. Like, but, yeah, because you you'd also be these guys. These guys I, are scrubs. I, I, I tell you what, our defense yeah. didn't give up any explosives to so the offense that doesn't get explosive plays. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. Did you see the graphic that ABC had for this game about the transfer portal? Oh, with uh, the, the like Mike Norvell's at the velvet rope, letting everybody in, and Dabble's just standing there like this, not letting anybody in the club. <laughs> Which, and like speaking of explosives, one of the very few explosive plays was the 46 yard run by Phil Maffa, which was literally right before Deloach comes in off the edge and then lights up Cade Klupnik and changes this game. I mean, there were zero points in the fourth quarter. That was that was at the very very end of the this game had zero no excuse me it was like one score at the very very end I think it was like one fifty left on the clock in the first quarter by the way I've got my writing assignment up I'm not trying to like box score this thing um, one score right at the end of the first quarter then second and third quarters haymaker 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 I mean I'm total ACC boy here but I thought it was a really fun game you know it was a fun game it was like yeah. a really good competitive game. Fourth quarter was just stop after stop after stop after stop. Clemson comes up with five stops in a row, forces four punts and a turnover on downs. 
Like there was the field goal at the beginning of the third quarter, and then it's just all the way through. I also got the live soundtrack of Danny watching it while we were in break on HQ and he was in studio and when Clemson missed the field goal. And I'm just going to say that what Danny said while we were off air after the missed field goal was very different from the tone he took on air when describing the play. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. Maybe maybe we do bring back Knowles to go just for (laughs) Danny, Danny uh, hot mic for uh, during, during Florida state games that are very, very close. I'll work with our, our people at CBS Sports HQ for that. All right. Coming up on the other side, there was a lot of talk. There was a lot of talk on every side here. And there was a lot of talk in pregame. All right? You, you going for clicks? You going for wins? We'll get into that and more next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, uh, it was much hyped. It was much discussed uh, for Colorado and Oregon, the visit to Eugene, and it did not go well for the Buffs. Very, very quickly, they find themselves in a deep hole. Final score, Oregon 42, Colorado 6. This thing was over mid-second quarter? (laughs) This thing was over before the game started. Are you kidding me? Before the game started, was it? Were you that fired up by uh, Danny Clickbait and his little <laughs> pregame speech? No, it's just like we talked about it all week. Like, okay, maybe Colorado can hang around and cover the spread even without Travis Hunter, but how many stops are they going to get? And they didn't get a whole lot in the first half. Through forty minutes of gameplay, four hundred and thirty-nine yards to thirty-nine. Mm-hmm. 439 to 39. It looked like Oregon was playing the scout team. And honestly, most of these guys were scout team players last year that Colorado took in the transfer portal. They took a couple of really special players. Hunter, who didn't play today. Shador, who's a pretty good player. I like the two receivers, but they're kind of more like slots. They're not, you know, incredible, like big dynamic outside guys. And, I got a lot of flack for ranking their class 10th in the transfer portal because I was trying to focus on impact. Like I thought Colorado did exactly what Colorado needed to do for Colorado, but let's not lose sight of the fact that like the guys they had out there getting torched by Oregon today wouldn't be torched if they're in other programs because they wouldn't play at other programs. Like I saw Travis J out there today, and I'm not trying to knock Travis J. He was like a third slash fourth stringer 
for the Knowles, right? Like, like the, these guys are starting in Colorado's lineup. That's why I was so damn impressed with what they did through the first three games. Like, they basically miracle work to get this team together, to get it organized so fast, and to get them to 3-0. and But like, they're not a top half of college ball team. Power rating-wise, they should be, like, bottom half, somewhere between 66 and 134. They got pushed around a ton today. Like, it was not competitive. Oregon did whatever the hell it wanted, and it's because the players just aren't very good for the most part. You got a couple guys who are good, a bunch of guys that just wouldn't play for good football teams. And we know that because they didn't play for good football teams last year before you took them in the portal. Also, Oregon's very good. And they showed it in this game by just absolutely coming out on fire, steamrolling them. Although Bo Nix did throw an interception, his first turnover of the year. Is he back to the old Bo Nix? Oh, we have the video, by the way. Landing. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference. Right? This game ain't gonna be played in Hollywood, it's gonna be played on the grass. Right? It's gonna be played on the grass. Let's go! I'm putting Dan Lanning on the hot seat. You don't give that speech pregame. Come out, play like you did in the first half. And I can't remember who the halftime reporter, you know, that the interview who interviewed him was. But then you go to that halftime interview and you start talking about how we're not done. We're going to, you know, we're going to come out in the second half. We're going to bury him. We're going to crop, blah, blah, blah. And then you come out and score seven points. So after scoring 35 in the first half, my team total over 45 and a half doesn't even cash. Dan Lanning, I know you're listening. You might be watching. What the hell, dude? What the hell? Look, Prime manages the image really well. I think you could tell Dion knew early. Like, he's not an idiot. He's a pretty smart guy. They punted on fourth and six from the 38. That's a I'm trying to not lose by 65 move. Now, Oregon and kind repaid them by faking a punt on the next drive, and it was it was off to the races. But I, I think Dion knew. You know, I, I, I don't know what he said to his team pregame. I don't know what the Dion video looks like. Maybe we'll see it on, on YouTube or wherever it's posted. I, I'd be curious, like, like what, what his message to his team is after this, you know? Um, Let's go be Also, USC. if you're somebody who enjoys – like, if you liked the Colorado story, maybe you decided, hey, I never really watched college football before. I'm a fan of celebrities, and I started watching college football in the last three weeks. Please join us. Every Saturday night, like, we do a lot of – we talk a lot of college football, guys. I think we do a pretty good job of it, so – you're welcome. We accept your apology for when you hated on us for, for saying that you're not a playoff team, you're not a Pac-12 title contender, all this kind of nonsense. Come enjoy the sport with us. There's a lot of really good teams to root for. Colorado's not one of them. <laughs> Danny Clickbait. I'm just saying, Florida, miss State, me with, Florida miss, State beating Clemson. Miss me, hold on. Miss me with the guy who puts a cigar up on National Signing Day. Miss me with the program who's got a different uniform for every single game and different uniform combinations. Miss me with the fact that he's not the one who's trying to manipulate images. 
Okay. Listen, if you think if if you are not in on the Colorado experience, like that's cool. Like, co- like college football needs everybody to be invested for it really to matter. It is the passion that separates it from what happens on Sundays. But if you think that Dan Lanning is your savior, enjoy that ride. Guys, just like everybody else. <laughs> But no, man, Bud with Florida State beating Clemson and then Colorado getting killed. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Oh. Uh, We're totally totally done pretending Shador can win the Heisman, right? Like after this, like like we're like we're done with this shit. Sorry, right? I just I don't like pretending that Colorado is actually good. They did some good things. I'm proud of them for no, 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 I'm no, done. no, no. I'm done. I'm done. I don't. I don't like pretending that sure. We haven't been pretending they're good the happen. entire time. We've been talking about how they exceeded expectations, I, but this I think, is what we. I, I said six to eight win team. I'm gonna stay. Oh no, no, wait! You said eight wins. Chip pretended Colorado was good. I think the rest of us have been pretty reasonable. All right, that's fair. Yeah, and look, obviously, it makes for a good show. But like, the the Heisman thing's done. Probably, yeah. But. You you can't you can't throw for seventy four yards and get sacked for fifty three yards before they pull the starters on you. I would not recommend a Heisman wager on Shador Sanders. I did have thirty five to one though, but only because <laughs> other books had it at eighteen to one, and I was like, that is some excellent CLV right there. If if you how about this? You ask me to put Pac Colorado 12, losing value. You you CLV? ask me to put Pac twelve quarterbacks in a ranking in terms of who has the best chance to win the Heisman Trophy. He's Fifth. Let's see. Caleb, Penix, Bo, Cam. The guy who's now four and Cam. oh. Cam Ward. Okay. Yeah. In terms of chances to ov- overall win it. But I mean, do you know who does not have a 40 point loss on their record? Cam Rising. <laughs> Comes back. What if what if he like limps around nah. and gets Utah nah. to some victories? Nah. 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 That's I'm, not I'm, yeah, hey, listen, let's let's go ahead and let's let's go ahead and hit that right there. So, um, that was gross, right? You know, <laughs> like like you're gonna sit here and talk about like like oh my gosh, like I cannot believe, like don't don't come back and then be like, I tell you what, I believe in Utah and U- UCLA's offense. <laughs> you can't criticize Notre Dame in on one conversation, be like because they can't throw outside the hash marks, and then come back and be like, I, I tell you what, UCLA's got it going. They did not have it going, and that is not all UCLA's defense. They just didn't have it going today, man. It was a, it was a, it was a tough watch. That that game was a pretty big letdown. I mean, thankfully we had all the other games going on. Yeah, like Dante Moore throws the pick six in the first play, and then there were only two more touchdowns in the entire game. It was just it was that was like it was like the precursor to Penn State Iowa, pretty much. Like that was just an ugly boring game that I quickly moved on from. You did it didn't so that was like a cycle. It didn't even make a top three for the, no, the screen. It started on the it started on the screen, but it was gone pretty quick because I was just I mean that wasn't gone quick, but third quarter when it was 14 nothing Utah, I knew UCLA wasn't coming back. So I was just like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. That was um uh, that was that was a rough go. Did you get many eyes on that one, bud? I did. Uh, literally, the first play is a Utah pick six. They mm-hmm. they they bait him on the RPO, and I was like, "Yeah." And this is why 
playing as a, a freshman quarterback in, in that place is is a nightmare. Like Utah basically did kind of zero on offense almost the entire game, and yet it was enough. Like also field position wise, special teams for Utah were tremendous. I mean, UCLA was constantly starting in their own end. Like very rarely did they have a, a real chance and, and just just kept it together, man. Like that Utah is just extremely well coached. Like they they, they had more than, than just Cam Rising out today. I, I I actually I snapped a picture of it on the screen. I, I knew some of these guys and the other ones. So Cam Rising, running back Micah Bernard, Brent Keithy, who's still out, the, the, right. their stud tight end. Uh, Maya Fillinger, who's a pretty damn good defensive lineman. Um, Fotu, who's one of their D tackles. Uh, Connor O'Toole is one of their DNs. And Becker. Like, that wasn't even Utah's fastball on defense. And UCLA scored seven points. Like, that's, that's extremely impressive by, by Utah. And, yeah, it was legitimately bad offense by UCLA. Like, they occasionally they would get guys open and kid wouldn't hit them. Or sometimes they would have nobody open. And, Yeah. That's a major missed opportunity for UCLA. Like that's if they had got that one, they had like a real avenue to go do something. But U- Utah huge. does not have the high end to compete with the very best in the Pac-12. Yeah, like that's the problem. Is there's another gear at USC, at Oregon, at Washington that Utah is not going to hit this year. And you're not going to be able to get everybody drugged down into the muck the way that they were able to get UCLA down into the muck. Hey, bud, what was that prop you had on Penix? Under 362 passing yards. And- you're going to lose. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> he just did it again. <laughs> Wow. Washington is a wagon. Sorry to interrupt, but it is about to be 45 to 12 in the first half of that game. That's, I mean, it, are we at like blind Washington at this point? Yes. Yes. Numbers can't keep up. No. They're, it's a wagon. Huskies all day long. Speaking of wagons in the state of Washington. All right. So yeah. how about this one? You, you, you want to do a little tease? Sure. Where will Washington State wind up in the new AP Top 25 rankings? We'll give you some of our projections next. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, always a fun for Saturday night since reaction show to project the new AP Top 25. It's an article that some handsome man writes for CBSSports.com. You can go check it out there. So let's let's hash it out there. Better so where than do you, last week. Where where do you think uh, where do you think the Cougars will land in the new AP Top 25 after a 38 to 35 win against Oregon State? I would hope I would hope they would climb a few spots. It's just I feel like the the window works against them. Like I don't know how many people cuz like they they come in at 21, they pick up a win over 14. I would think that they could get to the top 15 based on the mm-hmm. fact that they're undefeated and other teams, you know, losing, but I just wonder if they kind of get lost in that middle middle of the day mix with all the other games that were going on. If like people won't really understand like what this team did, even though you know it did get kind of dicey there in the fourth quarter. All right, so teams that that they definitely will jump because those teams lost, and unless the polls are just do something absolutely crazy, Ole Miss, Colorado, mm-hmm. so that gets them up two spots, like nineteen ish, and Oregon State, so that's one more to eighteen. They should jump Oklahoma. They'll Honestly, jump. Like, no, no, no. I can start. They'll jump the ACC trio: North Carolina, Duke, Miami, all beat unranked teams. Yeah, that's fair. And guess what? You know what Oregon State was respected by the AP top twenty-five voters. It was. Yep. AP voters loved this Oregon State team. This Oregon State team was at number fourteen in last week's poll. So, you got a top fifteen win. You know, compared to Oklahoma playing with its food at Cincinnati, compared to, you know, kind of routine wins for those teams that were sitting there at number 17, number 18, and number 20. Tom, I think you've got it. I think that they'll be in there 14 or 15. I've got them projected at 14 uh, behind Alabama, but one spot ahead of Oklahoma. I don't know if they'll get that high. I think they should be that high. I mean, just based on the resume, because like that Wisconsin win looks a lot better after what Wisconsin yeah. did against Purdue on Friday night. Like, it's like, oh wait, maybe Wisconsin isn't terrible. All right, let's play the uh, the game that's more fun up top. Where do you think Ohio State will be? Not should will be. Well, they're at six. Nobody in front of them lost. They'll be at. They might jump out. They might jump USC, but Georgia won, Michigan won. They're not going to fall out of the top two. 
Texas right. actually played like you know Texas did the thing Texas never does where it didn't play down to its opponent it actually just took care of business and beat Baylor's ass so Texas should stay at three Florida State beats Clemson they're not going to drop them USC is messing around with Arizona State Ohio State climbs to five I is there any chance that Michigan get, get, gets punished for for just not dominating people they not haven't been punished for it yet I know yeah so but, the you know, as like, a resume is improved for everybody else. I am actually, uh, you know, as as vibes as I am about ninety percent of the things that I talk about on this show. Um, this is one spot where I do get scientific and I look at the voting points and look at the ballots and kind of break it down to try to actually project not like what where somebody should be, but how many decisions need to be flipped in order to make these kind of moves. The gap is points. like Georgia tier, Michigan tier. And then everybody else. Mm -hmm. I've got Ohio State at three. Yeah, there were there were fewer points between number three Texas and number six Ohio State in the poll last week than there were between Michigan and Texas. Yeah, so I just I think that enough decisions will be changed based on going to Notre Dame and winning that football game that that small gap can be overcome, and the Buckeyes with Florida State doing something that is, you know, like not going to be punished necessarily. You know, Texas, I think, probably met expectations. And you're not going to see anything spectacular. I, I would like to talk about that, though, because I do have one uh, strong thought. But I believe the Buckeyes are going to be number three behind Georgia and Michigan just because of, of those teams that are in that very, very small margin. They're the one that had the most impressive win. So you would put them over Florida State, which blew out LSU and went on the road and won at Clemson. That, that's not the you, you're asking me, right? I'm saying like you think that's what the voters are going to do? Like that's like recency think, bias, like crazy. I think enough voters will change their mind on that, based on a 10-0 deficit, having to battle back and not even leading. Hey, Bud, let me take you in the wayback machine. <laughs> It's 2014, and you know what word or what phrase I have for you? It's two words. Game control. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, and, and look, that's that's true because like Florida State's an ACC team, right? Like they, they don't apply it to SEC teams, apparently. So. I just lost 20 pounds in the last 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> did, uh, um, did Indiana beat Akron? Did they? I don't know. I lost track. That, that I feel like Indiana is like so grateful for Northwestern with that comeback against Minnesota that nobody was paying attention to the fact they were in overtime with Akron. No, I'm going to put all my chips in on Ohio State at five tomorrow. At five, okay. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Other notable movements: Will Colorado be ranked in the top twenty-five? No. Mm -mm. no, and they should not be ranked at the top twenty-five again this year. You you can't lose that badly and still be no. ranked. Yeah, and that like you had thirty nine yards through forty minutes of play, you, you don't belong on the same field. Definitely not. New um, arrivals that I'm projecting: uh, the Missouri Tigers, who I thought would probably be ranked after beating Kansas State, they were not. Uh, the Kansas Jayhawks after uh, four and zero. So how about this one? Uh, the Kansas Jayhawks four and zero in back to back seasons for the first time since 1915. Kentucky it's Wildcats, cool, Kentucky Wildcats, four and zero for the third consecutive season, 
We haven't seen Kentucky be 4-0 in three consecutive seasons since 1911. Buddy, we got pre-Great Depression basketball school streaks that are happening. This is what happened, but I know you're going to get mad. Kentucky should not be ranked. Sorry, Look, Kentucky should not listen, be ranked. That, I am predicting no voter behavior, and here's what happens when you get to spots 19 through 25. It's September 23rd, and you're like, who's 4-0? And simply being a power conference 4-0 team is going to end up in there. So I have Missouri, I have Kansas, I have Kentucky all in there. Shout out to our Blue Blood basketball schools. I have another power 5 4-0 team you haven't mentioned yet. Maryland. There you go. They've yeah. won an average. They're 4-0 and winning by an average of 25 points per game. They have not played anything closer than an 18-point game yet this year. And if Missouri, which was in a sticky situation, had lost, then Maryland was going to be my next team in. So Those who do you have dropping out? Colorado, UCLA, Iowa. So Notre Dame stays. Florida gets to uh, stick around. Oh, what the? <laughs> yeah, got him. You think they're dropping right. Notre Dame out? Come no, on. no, I, I, I don't. Um, of the teams that lost on Saturday, who I think will remain in, I don't think Ole Miss falls all the way out for losing at Bryant-Denny Stadium. They should. Can we talk they about that terrible. game next? Like, they look yeah. like crap against Georgia Tech for the most part, you know, and then like blew it open late. At, they they really struggle with, with a Tulane team without Michael Pratt. Like Tulane or Ole Miss is a total fraud and should oh. not be ranked. Like that's oh. just. They I know it's not Chip's vote. It, it it's. You know what he what he anticipates pollsters doing, which I think he's probably right. But like Ole Miss should not be ranked. Ole Miss stinks. The only reason Ole Miss has yeah. been ranked the entire time is because, like I've joked, and it's not even it's a joke, but it's not really a joke. Voters get to the end of their ballot, aren't sure what to do, and see an undefeated SEC team and throw them in there. All right, and that's why Ole Miss is there. But Ole Miss is like Alabama played very very poorly today. Mm-hmm. And Ole Miss had numerous chances to, you know, take that game and win that game. And they never had a chance. Like, they they led early, and then they just never really gave themselves a chance to win the game. They gave Alabama a billion chances. And Alabama finally took advantage of them and just put it away in the end. It's just, that's that's not a good team, man. They're going to finish 8-4 and four at best, maybe 7-5. and five. Who would you take on a neutral Old Miss or some of these unranked teams. Old Miss, Clemson, Clemson, easily. Old Miss, Missouri, mm. Missouri. I'm not a hundred percent locked on it, but I, I could, I could see. I think that's a coin flip. We're taking Kansas State over Ole Miss. Yes, healthy Will Howard. Uh, Will Howard played tonight. Just based on, on who they're running out there right now. Yeah, Kansas State beats Ole Miss. Does Kansas beat Ole Miss? Good, yeah. Probably pretty close. Maryland could beat Ole Miss. Possibly, yeah. Like their defense, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I say they stink. Their defense, especially their run defense, is actually pretty good. Yeah. Their offense stinks. Anything else from uh, Alabama Ole Miss that stood out? Jalen Milrow is clearly the best option that they have. The problem is, and it was evident today, 
is with Jalen Milrow, where you you have to respect his ability to hit the deep ball, even though he will miss quite a few of them. You don't have to respect his ability to hit the intermediate stuff. So when Alabama gets in the red zone, they become very easy to defend because you kind of just drop into his zone and you spy Milrow and you fill your gaps in the run game and you pretty much stop them. And we saw that today. Alabama had one touchdown in like five red zone trips. They had a couple field goals. Milrow was picked off in one of the trips. Like that is going to be something that is going to be a major problem for them against other good teams that can actually take advantage of the opportunities given to them. So, you know, not Ole Miss. But I also think that that defense is still very good. And when you look around at the SEC, and we've talked about this, like the lack of great QBs in that league means that Alabama, even with Milrow not being great, even with an offense that is not great, is probably still going to win at least 10 games. I was doing um, CBS Evening News with uh, with, with uh, Lana Zach, and we were pre-recording, and, and she asked me, like, so is, is Bama just, like, coming back to the pack? And, like, who's going to – and basically I was like, yes, they have come back to the pack. Unfortunately, the pack has not come to them. Like, yeah. like no, nobody else in the West is actually stepping up to take the, the title from Bama. Like, and now LSU still has to go to Tuscaloosa, right? Like, so congrats, Georgia, I guess, right? Uh, potentially. Uh, I, you know, it, it's just, it's. I mean, LSU, Arkansas, like, is that, because I did say. That was be, wild. I, I said it would be hilarious if zombie Arkansas got up off the mat and went to Baton Rouge and just all of a sudden caused chaos and it damn near happened. Mm-hmm. Like, you got bad Jalen for a while, man. Mm. I mean, like they LSU had multiple guys open for touchdowns, and he turned touchdowns into just good completions or incompletions, like just by by under throwing them or throwing late, and then he turned it on late. I didn't get a whole lot of eyes on that. Tom, you get anything on? Uh, I it wasn't. It was never the primary screen, but I did get some eyes on it. It was just yeah. It's like LSU's problem is its pass defense, like. When KJ Jefferson's throwing for like 300 on you and three touchdowns, that's not a great sign, but he also threw two interceptions. So, like, run defense, they were fine. They were able to get, they weren't really, Arkansas couldn't get much going at all on the ground. Like, if you take KJ out of the game, Arkansas really, you know, Dominion had a game, but they really couldn't move the ball. They were just able to move the ball through the air because LSU secondary is a problem. Now, Again, going back to the same thing with Alabama. When it comes to that Alabama game, maybe that's not really a problem for him, but I don't know. Did Penn State answer any of your concerns with the offensive line, or is this an Iowa problem? This was an Iowa problem. Man, I was I was worried about that. This really does feel like it's an Iowa problem. I don't come out of it with any different feelings about Penn State. No, this was here. I'm going to look up the box here. This was the thing. Like In the first half, Penn State was still having a whole lot of trouble running the ball. They really couldn't. Iowa's defensive front was giving them a lot of problems. The problem is Iowa's offense could not stay on the field. At the end of the third quarter, Penn State had run more plays in the second quarter and more plays in the third quarter separate than Iowa had run in the game to that point. At the end of the game, (laughs) Penn State ran 97 plays. Do either of you want to guess how many plays Iowa ran on offense? I I, I don't have 46. Nope. Lower. 39. Lower. 38. 
Lower. 37? Lower. 36? Lower. 35? 33. They ran 33 plays on offense to Penn State's 97, nearly three times as many plays. Their defense was just worn the hell out by the second half, so then Penn State's run game was able to get going because, you know, like, Honest to God, if you're a defender on Iowa, I made the joke on Twitter, you're Sisyphus. And after a while, you just get tired of the boulder rolling back over you, and you're just like, whatever, just keep rolling. I'm not going to try to put you back up the hill again. And that's basically what happened in the second half. So I do still have concerns about Penn State's offensive line. The thing that I don't have concerns about is I think that what Penn State is doing a very good job of, particularly in the passing game, is Drew Aller's getting the ball out quick. Mm. They're not really – I think – there's problems where I don't know if I can really trust them to push the ball vertically, and I think that could be a problem down the road. But they're scheming things up to get Aller to get the ball out quick. He's making the right reads right away. So he was 25-37, but it was for only 166 yards. But they were also playing in the rain, so maybe that had something to do with the approach. But it's just their their defense is phenomenal. Like, Iowa's offense is bad. There's no denying that. But Penn State's defense really is really good when those two things got together what you get was iowa running 33 plays for a total of 76 yards and honest to god is there another offensive coordinator in the country whose team could run 33 plays in a game on the road in a big primetime spot against a conference team for 76 yards and still have their job the next day so you're saying that james franklin needs to make his his defense run gassers Got to keep conditioning up, baby. Like a 30, 30, that's not going to get it. 33 plays. Jeez. It was, 33 plays get run in a quarter. Yeah. By some offenses. I, I think it was Lucy Rodine, the, the, uh, she's an Iowa fan. She made the joke that says, hey, she, she wanted to pay somebody in the press conference. She says, Deion Sanders openly admits he ranks his sons. Please, somebody ask Kirk Ferentz to rank Brian in the press conference. I will be releasing the new point total chart tomorrow. I had to reallocate some points. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I only had to reallocate 13, though, because I was only projecting 13 uh, for for Iowa. All right, as far as what I learned from Penn State, they there was some maturity on offense. Mm-hmm. Like They seemed to realize, like, this is what we have to do. Fine. We're playing Iowa. You know, it, it, it's, it is what it is. Let's not turn the ball over. We'll be conservative like they will. We'll get a stop. They'll punt the ball 59 yards. <laughs> so we're going to be backed up again. Yeah, Torrey okay. Taylor was tremendous in that game. Yeah, Torrey Taylor's God. a god. <laughs> had, but before I turned it off, right, Iowa had two first downs, and he had 366 yards of punting. <laughs> he finished with 366, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh like there was some maturity to it, right? That I I thought like they didn't they didn't do stupid stuff and then try to force it all around. I I don't think Penn State committed the turnover. Maybe there was one that like could have been picked, but it wasn't. Uh, but process wise, like it seemed to be mature, which is you know what you're going to get when you play Iowa. It's probably never going to be pretty. And I will say that is one thing about Aller that kind of sticks out is. You see a lot of younger quarterbacks take stupid risks, even in other games where you know Penn State is you know not playing Iowa and doesn't end up you know is, maybe doesn't have to be as conservative against that defense. He doesn't put the ball in stupid places. 
Like we talked about it during the week, like Bo Nix is just willing to take what's given to him and letting his receivers do the work. Aller has that same kind of presence about him, which is, you know, I think beyond his years as far as experience is concerned. And I think that's one thing, if I'm a Penn State fan, that kind of gives me, maybe it doesn't happen this year, but I think that maybe next year that's a team that could truly take a leap. But then at the same time, considering how, you know, Ohio State won tonight, but the only time it's really looked great was against Western Kentucky. Michigan continues to play with its food, even with Penn State kind of not being as exciting on offense as I thought they could be. They're still, I think, just based on the way everybody else is playing in the conference, I think Penn State might still genuinely be a contender. And I was kind of questioning that last week. But after seeing Ohio State and Michigan again today, I'm just kind of like, yeah, no, Penn State's just right up there with them. I mean, there is sort of that beauty, the way that we look at the sport where you you realize, like, oh, man, they're not meeting my expectations. Oh, but they're not either. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of falling back. And there's all not that much separation. Um, you know, like, to your point earlier, Bud, like, yeah, they've fallen back to the pack, but the pack hasn't caught up. There's a lot of flaws on display through four weeks in college football. Um, you had, Bud, you had mentioned before we got started that there were some, it seems like you were dialed into Texas Baylor. I jumped ship pretty early. A little what bit. Did, what did you see? My, my big thought on Texas when I jumped was like, okay, one of my big takeaways from the Alabama game was that this Texas defense that I thought was unspectacular on paper and that you told me they felt like they had the right pieces, right? Like it, like not players that individually were jump off the page, you know, future first-round NFL talent, but that they had put together the right players for the right scheme that they could be really, really good. And that was my big win. That was my big takeaway from Bryant-Denny. Like Quinn Ewers was fantastic. He came up with some big throws. But that Texas's defense probably did a lot there too. I kind of think that's the takeaway for me from Texas Baylor, from what I got to see so far and what I was able to track along the way. And Texas went out and did what you think Texas should do to a Baylor team without a starting starting quarterback and without a starting running back. Like, but we don't often say, "Yeah, Texas went out and handled its business in impressive fashion." Like, that's not something they do all that often, especially not on the road in conference. They just went out and smoked them. I mean, that that the Texas has better players. Texas looked focused. Texas looked look, look, kind of refocused because last week against Wyoming, they did not look mm-hmm. great. And Wyoming kind of can do the Iowa thing to you where it's just they, 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 they kind of muddy it up. You never really get in a rhythm. But, I mean, did Texas just get Dave Aranda fired tonight? Because I, I read these Baylor message boards. They, they don't think Aranda's going to make it to the end of the season. And I'm like, that may be reactionary, but. Uh, Is Dave Aranda going to make it to Monday? I'd really like it if Dave Aranda made it to Monday. You working this weekend? <laughs> yeah, I'm working we- tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Though, on the other hand, I don't mind it if I'm already working and right. then the coach gets fired. You're like, well, I, you know, I was already going to be sitting in the office anyway, waiting on the coach's poll. So might as well write up this coach fired post anyway. Somebody said Brent Pry might get fired after losing to Marshall. I don't think that's nah. the case. Yeah. I, I think, think that uh, that article on ESPN, did you guys read that? Yes. The, you told the, me about the, it. The Fuente it. piece. Did you go? Yeah. That seems uh, that seems well-timed. 
to, like, to buy some time. Hey, let's look at how awful this is and what a big mm-hmm. rebuild this is going to yes. be. Here's more exactly details right. about what the bad roster building situation this was. Yep. And I don't think it's wrong. Like, it's not made up, obviously. Like, it's pretty well it, – it's well-researched. And I, I thought it was really good. I, I think it was – was it Hale and Andrea? I'm, yeah. Okay. I would assume yeah, so. like, They did a really good job on it. it. Vatek was worse behind the scenes than I realized. Well, we're on the subject of Big 12 coaches on the hot seat. How about the coach that's gone from the hot seat to an ice-cold block of ice, Neil Brown, in the 3-1 and one West Virginia Mountaineers? We were talking all offseason about how this team's going to be 1-3, and three, getting ready for the Houston buyout bowl. They're 3-1. and one. It's, like, it's like West Virginia's got debt relief, you know, because like we, we don't <laughs> even know if they have the money to fire Neil Brown. You know, and now they're like, Wait, so we don't have to fire this guy? Like he's now they got to extend him. They're still somebody got him kind of screwed. (laughs) All right, so I'll tell you, West Virginia, we got a debt consolidation program for you: zero percent APR for twelve months, and if you just pay everything off, you'll be all good. We're we're going to roll academics and 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 the Huggins buyout and 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 yeah, when they easy monthly payment. Yeah, when they decided libraries didn't matter anymore, I thought they were just getting the money together for no problems. Hey, what if we ran one of them schools without books? (laughs) (laughs) No books, dude. Books are making a major comeback. They don't have to fire fire Neil Brown. Whoa, like computers too. I think. Yeah, twenty um, to thirteen against Texas Tech. Uh, West Virginia improves to three and one overall, one and zero in the Big Twelve. Texas, Texas Tech, Tech is one and three. One Tyler three. Shuck got hurt. The the dark horse Big Big Twelve Texas Tech Red Raiders. That horse might be getting put down here soon. Iowa State won the Sad Bowl against Oklahoma State. Scored a lot of points though. They gave the double birds to anybody putting that thirty six and a half total on that one. I mean. That's fine. They just we we thought they were going to stick to the hockey style substitutions and not go with the Bowman. <laughs> they just stuck with the Bowman. Oh my God! I I just saw the the box score on this Texas Tech game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was how many in West Virginia you think? masterclass? Oh, dude. And uh, I really don't think the Mountaineer secondary is very good. By the way, this this is atrocious. <laughs> 13 of 37 for a buck 58. And by the way, if you're just jumping on this, um, you know, this conversation about West Virginia, they're already down their quarterback in this game, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Nico, their quarterback, Nico Marchio, was 12 of 21 for 78. So combined, the quarterbacks in this game, because the the Ray kid's not a quarterback. I think he's a receiver throwing a pass. And Morton Salt ended up coming in for Shuck, right? Yeah. So quarterbacks were twenty seven of sixty four for uh, two thirty nine. Mm, sixty four passes, two hundred thirty nine yards. That's I don't remember. There have been Nico. better passing days. I don't remember Nico's stat line off the top of my head from last week, but honestly, this might have been better than what he did against Pitt. So we're taking steps. through six passes against Pitt. Yeah. So I mean, we're just officially trending up. Mears um, go to eleven and one. Let's go scoring twelve points a game. Okay. They are going bowling, right? I, at this point, it'll be hard not to like. That's the other thing too. Like the bottom of the Big Twelve. This ain't this ain't twenty twenty two's Big Twelve. No. Mm-mm. How are they still holding like a decent 
rating because there's no bad bad teams. I'm, yeah, there no, there's some. There might be some bad teams at the end of this, but there's not a. You don't have a Virginia Virginia Tech. I mean, again, like I apologize for my ACC bias here, but you don't have a Virginia Virginia Tech like Boston College underbelly here. No, but yeah, agreed. I mean, Baylor could be that underbelly. Oklahoma State, based on what we've seen from them the last couple of weeks, could be that underbelly. Iowa State won today, but, I mean, I don't know how much faith I have in them to keep winning. And then you've got Houston, and UCF is going to be without Plumlee again still for a couple of weeks. I don't know, man. The bottom of this league could fall out pretty quick. They've got a lot of teams in that sort of like 60 to 85 range, but they don't have anybody – at least on my Lower. stuff, that is like, yeah, like that's clearly like in the 90s or in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't have the Kansas anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to help with your like overall averages. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Uh, oh, man. Louisiana didn't cover? Man. No, they blew it. Buffalo Sorry. came back on them? Yeah, 45 yeah, They took it personal. I don't know if you saw, but Buffalo's coach after the game was just yelling about what Chip Patterson was saying about him. I wonder what Chip Patterson's doing right now. Can you believe what Chip Patterson said about us? He said, Buffalo stinks. Well, how about that? We covered the spread, Chip. They they do. They they still stink. (laughs) Um, You you gave up, what, 40-something to the backup quarterback at at Louisiana Lafayette? mm Mm-hmm. So what else? Uh, what else stood out from the day? And obviously, as you know, as a disclaimer, um, not disclaimer, but as an explainer, if this is the first time joining us, and we have a huge audience watching live with us, if this is your first time on the Cover Three podcast, welcome. We are here Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. Emergency podcasts in between. Smash that like because hit the subscribe too. Come and chat. The community is always bumping all through all of our live shows. Mondays are upon further review. Um, you know, we're not going to sit here and try to fake it. We're going to give you our takeaways from the day. Then we're going to review what we didn't watch and give you much more later. Um, anything else that uh, that you want to make sure we hit before we get out of here? I had a bit of a roller coaster day in that after watching Illinois struggle with FAU. And the offensive line really kind of struggled to block. God, the right side of Illinois' offensive line is bad. But I was sitting there, I was like, oh, man, I'll happily take the win, but I don't know if this team's going to go bowling at this rate. But then, thank God, the rest of the Big Ten West played. And then you're like, hey, we could be in the Big Ten title game. (laughs) I saw Purdue lose to Wisconsin on Friday. I saw Iowa do what Iowa did at Penn State. I saw Nebraska struggle with Louisiana Tech for most of that game before pulling away. I saw Indiana need – oh, Indiana's in the East. But I saw Indiana, who Illinois plays, need overtime to beat Akron. And I saw Minnesota blow a 21-point lead in the fourth quarter to lose to Northwestern. And I said, Illinois is going to still win seven games. It'll be fine. Big Ten West stinks. They're Buffalo. That's that's really the crux of this argument that I'm making here. But Minnesota fans are going to be breaking out those fake hazing articles. <laughs> oh, I forgot my conspiracy. Thank you, bud. Oh, yeah. Michigan State is completely quit since the Mel Tucker thing started. Who was the one Big Ten coach that was floated that they were interested in and that I've been hearing Michigan State is interested in? P.J. Fleck, what's happened with Minnesota the last couple weeks? Look, 
lost to North Carolina on the road. They blew this one today against Northwestern. Does PJ is he do is he going full Lane Kiffin? Is he already looking for property in, in East Lansing right now? No, 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 no. You can't call it the full Kiffin because Kiffin didn't make the jump. It's the freeze. Okay. I would say that the Hugh Freeze is like the best example of team quits. We know he's taking the job. He takes the job. He yeah. took that boat out on Lake Superior. He's rowing. He's going through Lake Michigan. Uh-oh, he's on his way. He's up. He's at the UP right now, making his way down the west coast of the state to East Lansing. Do, did you guys watch this comeback? No. Because I, no. I, I turned it off when it was 31 to 10. <laughs> no, I turned it on. I can't remember who tweeted it, but somebody just tweeted, you should probably get to the Big Ten Network right now. I flipped it over because that was right after Notre Dame and the Ohio State game ended and, Pe- and Northwestern was driving in like the final minute to tie the game. Oh, uh, Penix just hit an, another um, great throw. Wagon. It was 45 to 12 at halftime. Wagon. Oh, yeah. By the way, at half, do you know who the better third down team was? Cal. <laughs> They're 5 10 on third down. Washington two of five. Washington was up fourteen to nothing before the offense stepped onto the field, <laughs> and then the offense said, "I want to get in on this," and they have ever since. There's like a, is it boiling point theory, or there's some kind of a, help me with the wording on this, but it's like you have to have a certain baseline level of something to play with a team like this. And then you may be able to like, like we don't know how well Washington trades punches because every, like everybody oh. they've played so far, you know what I'm saying? Like we don't know how they, how they are in, in a game like that. Now we did see them trade punches last year with Oregon and they won. I think that was when Bo got hurt in, in Austin, right? At, towards the end there. I think the theory mm-hmm. is uh, they ain't played nobody. I, I think it's actually you, you should know, bud. I think it's ain't played nobody. Ain't no play. Right. Well, okay, podcast, like, ain't played nobody, <laughs> you know. Yes. Legend. Yeah, and like, I mean, look, Cal's not nobody. Cal's like what? Like a top 70-ish team? Mm-hmm. Cal's not That's, a nobody. Like, they're not a complete nobody. Like, Cal, no, they're there's an some ACC outside squad. Shot they bowl. Oh, uh, did you see Arizona, Arizona Stanford tonight? Mm. Jane Delora got hurt, right? I see. I didn't. I don't get Pac-12 Network, so I didn't get to watch the game. And if it was on FS1, then I apologize. I just didn't look for it. I assumed it was on Pac-12 Network, but I did box score scout it. They had ten tackles for loss through three quarters, and Arizona had had converted five third downs of more than ten yards. Like this is, or sorry, Stanford had converted that. This it was like all, all the tackles for loss don't matter at all. So. Is USC going to lose? No. Twenty-one to thirteen, early third quarter. They're not going to cover, but they're not going to lose. Can we talk Calandria? <laughs> that might have been the most game. fun, ga- like fun game of the weekend. Just the absolute. I'm Anthony Calandria. I I don't know if everybody follows us on Twitter. I, we talked about him on on was it Locks or on, on the Wednesday show? We've I've not stopped talking about Anthony Calandria for a week now. He was the leader in whoopsie daisy rate. Unfortunately, his two turnovers on Friday night against NC were not State enough. <laughs> improved his rating overall. He went from five point seven percent to four point four four percent. So we still love him. We need him to up his game. He's still he's still Mister Clutch. He is still throwing the ball to the other team at an alarming rate in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I kind of like that he decided to go deep 
more. Like if you never throw the ball short, it's hard to throw a pick six because like like it's 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 more of just like True. a long punt. Like that's True. basically what he did, and you, you increase the chance you get some pass interference stuff. Uh, as soon as they 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 got the the personal foul to back up the two point conversion to the seventeen yard line, it's like oh they got it. This is this is clearly done. So yeah, uh, it's this the market inefficiency. <laughs> just bombing interceptions fifty yards downfield instead of ten. I mean, so, if you throw, like three sixty yard interceptions, <laughs> and you throw like three touchdowns. That's not that kid. bad. It's like three super long punts. Yeah, I, I mean, it's the Josh Allen. It's, it's the Josh Allen move. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What oh, was the yeah. second penalty? All right, because it was the there was the taunting penalty on Calandria that backed up the two point try. Mm-hmm. But then they got the two point try, and then what was the other penalty that ended up setting up? Oh, it was the, a personal foul on the offensive lineman, the same offensive lineman who went for like an eye poke <laughs> earlier in the game and didn't oh, yeah. get called for Un- it. Uncalled. Just uh, it was. I will just say Virginia was not a well-disciplined team there in that game. They hurt themselves quite a bit, but yeah, no. Ant- I will, I will go to war for Anthony Calandria without without a hesitation. If he asks me to, I'm there. It's really hard to get me to watch a team as bad as Virginia if I did not bet on them. But like, he's kind of must see TV. It's just that level of of, of crazy. You know, yeah, Michael in the chat, Calandria, yes. new punk god. Um, that is how you sell yourself in terms of selling the future, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't Calandria a freshman? Yes, yes, yeah, from Lakewood, yeah. d- down in St. Pete. Yeah, you say like, hey, look, these are just the freshman mistakes. You know, we got we got to go through this, but you see it, you see it, right? It's a decent. W- would you rather have Calandria or Cade Klubnik? Okay, all right. <laughs> for, for the fun factor, definitely Calandria. If I have to win games, I, I, I mean, we, we are only about nine days removed from him throwing three picks in three consecutive passes against Maryland. So, why don't you? You know what, Still Anthony Calandria. Anthony Calandria could tear that Granter rights to pieces. That's what Virginia needs to use. <laughs> Okay, He's the, the only Bama one who could break it. Jordan wants to know. Calandria or who? Or the Bama QBs. <laughs> Calandria. I, <laughs> that that is probably like not a safe health situation for if, Calandria. If you put Calandria on Bama, like Dick Saban might really stroke his head off. Yeah, I was gonna say like the one <laughs> yes, thing that's why I want it. Cannot yes. do for Nick Saban is be the existence that is Anthony Calandria in the 2023 yeah. college football season. Can't do that. Come on. Come on now. Come on now. Top five in chuck a deep throw rate with UVA's offensive line and receivers. The receivers are actually kind of okay, by the way. Like the kid they got from Northwestern, uh, Washington, is kind of kind of all right. I saw somebody was making comments about Virginia's offensive line on Friday night, and I was like, you should have seen it last year. Yeah. <laughs> because this oh. year, it's not as bad. Yeah. Uh, Pitt, though, tonight was. Um, so Pitt lost to Kobe in the preseason, and then they lost Williams before last week. Those are two starters. And then they lost uh, Goncalves, who is their left tackle, and then their center, Cradle, didn't play tonight either. So I was looking at it, I was like, uh... That's four out of the five guys that they had in the starting lineup like two weeks into fall camp who are not playing right now. This is 
And they come out and they bully North Carolina on the first drive. I was like, Mac, like this is this is not an acceptable nine offense. yards, seven yards, four yards, okay. nine yards, seven what, yards. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. What 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 was going through your head? Like we, I'm not I don't know if you knew who was out for Pitt or not, but like, I was. Were you like were, were you nervous at all, or were you like it's still Pitt, it's still Dracovic? Oh, well, I mean, like I'm not I'm not trying to be you know, weird about it, but no, I was never nervous. Right. You know, you're, you're programmed to be cynical. Like if you are a a fan of a college football team in the triangle, (laughs) you do not see success. Okay. Um, NC state has not won an ACC championship since 1979, North Carolina, not since 1980. Like these are, are not like double digit win seasons for NC state do not come often. And when they come from North Carolina, they end with getting embarrassed on a big stage. Like it is not in your mindset of being like, oh no, this is when it all comes crashing down. It's like, well, yeah, of course. You're going to pit. You're three and oh. North Carolina hasn't been four and oh since nineteen ninety-seven. Like that it is already a generational type thing that you've got going on. So when they start pushing them around, you're like, Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Just envisioning an HQ SOT package with Chip doing the narration. When you're a football fan in the triangle, you don't see success. <laughs> Just drone shots of losing ass North Carolina teams. Hold on. So that means that you had to deal with and in Tuscaloosa, it's <laughs> protege against mentor. <laughs> yeah, you you had to listen to Chip before giving some picks out today. Mm-hmm. I yeah. listen to Chip all the time. So the um the left hand pass was cool. Drake made I mean, him really freaking good, dude. Yeah. He's, he's really good. Not according to Robbie Callen. Robbie Callen says he sucks. Man. Wait, Haters. Did Wyoming really win on a block on a, a walk-off block goal touchdown? No, no, it was an interception. It was an interception that the okay. wind in Laramie got a hold of <laughs> and just completely killed in the air. Um App State outplayed Wyoming. Did not score him. But they did not outscore him. <laughs> in uh, an incredible under uh, there in Laramie. What was it? Uh, the It was a blocked field goal return for a touchdown, followed by a 75 yard touchdown run. And usually when that happens within a minute of each other, unders of 43 and a half do not survive. But tonight, thanks to the wind, they did. Yeah, Aguilar, you mean, we've talked about um, Joey Aguilar a lot. He gets out there, and he's just going to chuck it, right? Mm-hmm. He's just going to get out there and sling it. And he threw a duck in the air, and the wind caught it, and Wyoming intercepted it at, like, the 15-yard line. They were on their way to either kick a field goal to make it 44, busting the under, or score a touchdown, busting the under. You know, I'm so mad at myself for taking USC right now. I'm sure. This Caleb is the mess looks- around game. Mm. They're looking ahead to the juggernaut that is the Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah. Meanwhile, Washington's up 40. I should have just stuck with Watt. They're a wagon. I, I, why would I not take the wagon when I could take the wagon? Mm. I could have taken Ohio, another wagon who just beat the crap out of Bowling Green today. No, I took this damn trojans team these guys are all about clicks and not wins they're about hollywood and not playing on the grass is uh 
Didn't USC have a bye last week? Yeah. And this is how they look. They they look tired. <laughs> it's that it's that Arizona heat. It's getting them. I don't know. Um, there's some requests from the chat to talk K State UCF. I did not see. I like that's on my DVR. Well, I watched almost all of it. Okay. Awesome game. Like nice. crazy fun. Just like tackles for loss. Um, McLean, the the backup for UCF. Not a lot of stuff within structure, but UCF did a tremendous job. I, I know K State blew him out in the end, but like like UCF UCF was in this for quite some time. Um, and they really like they schemed up some stuff nice. They they hit a flea flicker for a touchdown. They had a really nice little like play action waggle that they hit for a bomb. Like UCF looked at times like the faster team. Um, they 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 had like a. I think it was like a zone read on third and nine where they, they they gave it and the guy ran for like 50 yards. It was, it was pretty nuts. On the other hand, um, Kansas state kind of did whatever they wanted to on offense. Uh, but this was another game tonight where both teams would get backed up on third down and then would somehow like magically get out of it. And uh, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Like, uh, K state's a, a ultimately K state's D line was kind of the difference in getting a couple stops and then K-State was going to score. That's the best the unit on that team. Certainly on the defense, yeah, I think so. Um, I think K-State's offensive line might be pretty good. Yeah, I agree. Like BB and then they, they, they got they got the tackle back this week. Um, yeah, like that's a good team. And that's uh, Timmy McClain, the old USF quarterback? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You know, one thing I learned this week was that I'm never going to bet on Brendan Armstrong again. But are you ever going to bet Rice as a road favorite again? Oh my gosh! You, you saw you saw uh, Daniels get whacked. No. And, oh it, yeah, it was bad. bad yeah, our conversation was our conversation was can he get a medical red shirt for another year? <laughs> I, I mean, Rice I was, Rice they was looking good until they didn't. And then, like, like, USF hit, like, four or five plays of 50-plus. It's like, okay, that is a really good way to lose a game as a road favorite. Uh, oh, I, another play I had they lost, didn't put it on the locks pod. Had uh, had Rutgers under five and a half, sort of. A, <laughs> remember the whole uh, first half team total, mm-hmm. right? First drive, third down, longest. They, they, they hit a slant for, like, 70 yards. They don't score again the rest of the day, right? Nope. Yeah, that's great. Those seven points that they had for the seven zero lead. Extremely stop, happy there. Stop the count. That's that's it. Rutgers wins. Yeah. All right. Well, we will be back on Monday, eleven a.m. Eastern time, with more takeaways from the Saturday that was, along with Paul Assassin. We call it upon further review. So come and hang out for that. And you can follow him on Twitter at Buddy Three. You can follow him at Tom Pernella. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my soul. I am a citizen of the
the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.